0: Daily with Jason Mertidis. And welcome to an all new Game Day edition of Flyers Daily with Jason Martinez, as always presented by Penn Medicine, the official health system of the Philadelphia Flyers and Wells Fargo Center. Coming up, we're going to hear from Bill Meltzer, get his thoughts on Game Two, Flyers Game Three coming up this afternoon. It is Game Day again already. That's the great thing about these playoffs. You can't enjoy a win like Game 1 for too long because another game's on the horizon. And you can't suffer after a defeat for too long like Game 2. Flyers getting ready to try and take the 2-1 series lead against the Montreal Canadiens coming up this evening at 8 o'clock. You can hear the game on the Flyers broadcast network, and it is a big one for the Flyers. It is response time. A Stanley Cup best-of-seven playoff series is like a boxing match it's punch, counter punch, go into the your corner during go into your corner after a round, recoup, restrategize and execute the strategy. Go out, punch, have another round, same thing. That's what it is. And this is going to be adjustments. You saw adjustments from Montreal from game 1 to game 2, and now it's Elaine Vigno's turn to adjust to what Montreal did in game 2. And And we will see. We will see, A, what lineup he decides to put on the ice, if it is unchanged or if it is a little changed or, as he referred to it in his availability, which you will hear in a minute, uh, changed significantly. We won't know that until game time. uh, But we don't know the health of Travis Konechny, and we don't know the health of Michael Raffle. But you will also hear Elaine Vigneault talk about that in his availability coming up here in just a moment uh, and talking about Michael Raffle that if he were to be in pregame warm-up, in Game 2, which he was, that would be a good sign. I don't know if he's alluding to the fact that Michael Roffle will be available coming up this evening uh, or not, but uh, he didn't give any update on Travis Konechny. By the way, uh, yesterday's episode of Flyers Fix had an exclusive one-on-one interview I did with Oscar Lindblom. You can check it out on iTunes, Flyers Fix Episode 7. Uh, had a chance to catch up with Oscar on Saturday on his birthday, 24th birthday, uh, to talk to him about... Uh, All the things associated with his diagnosis, his recovery, his treatments, uh, getting back on the ice and working out now. He is in Toronto with the team. He's been there for over a week now. Did have to go through quarantine uh, upon getting to the hub city of Toronto, which he has now completed. Uh, So he is now able to intermingle with his Flyers teammates, show support, and uh, I'm sure that that is a very welcome sight for the Flyers players and one that uh, will hopefully motivate them. Uh, to play for Oscar, Oscar Strong, once again. So uh, check that out again, Flyers Fix Episode 7, exclusive conversation I had with uh, the Flyers forward, Oscar Lindblom. Let's get to Elaine Vino after practice on Saturday. He addressed a number of issues, and here's that audio. Uh, After yesterday's game, uh, Matt Niskanen said that and um, Montreal was doing a couple things differently than what you anticipated. I, I know you're probably not going to go into specifics, but does it have to do with the forecheck that they're, that they're using? Because it seems like you guys really struggled with that yesterday.
1: Well, there's no doubt that, uh, you know, I'm not going to get into specific details, but all parts of their game uh, yesterday uh, were running on all cylinders. And uh, they made us look uh, a step behind, and they were the much better team. So we're definitely uh, going to have to respond. And I'm
2: confident that that's what we're going to do. After game one, uh, some of the guys had said that on the power play goal, you, guys, you had traffic in front of the net on that one. And the emphasis was on funneling pucks to the net with traffic. It seemed like, it seemed like last game there were point shots, but there wasn't uh, anybody taking Price's eyes away. Is that uh, kind of a point of emphasis coming into game three to be able to do that?
1: It's a, it's a very fair assessment. Uh, you know, uh, not just Price, but goaltenders in this league, uh, if they can see the shot, there's a good chance that they're going to make that first save. So uh, there's no doubt that uh, we weren't good enough in that department as far as uh, getting to the front of their net. And, uh, you know, it's something that uh, our players are, are very aware of. And uh, I'm confident that we're going to do better tomorrow.
0: Since January, your team went 6-0 and after losses. Obviously, you're hoping you can repeat that now. But why do you think the team has been able to reset and refocus so well after losses?
1: Well, I think our leadership, uh, you know, focuses the right way and uh, makes sure that uh, the preparation, the accountability is there. I mean, we had a, a bad game, you know, prior to that, uh, you know, I think in our last 15 or 16 game, we had been pretty good. That one loss that we had against Boston, that one nothing game, we played a great game, both teams. It was, could have gone either way. It was a great hockey game. Yesterday, we had a bad day, and uh, we need to turn the page. Uh, We need to uh, focus on moving forward here and coming up with our A -A game tomorrow, and that's what we're going to try and do.
0: Before yesterday's game, Michael Roffel was uh, in the pregame skate. I know you're not going to talk about the lineups, but is he available to play if you want him in the lineup now?
1: Uh, Again, I can't comment on on lineup uh, decisions or who's available and who's not, but uh, there's no doubt that – we know Michael has been an important part of our team this year. Uh, if he was in warm-up yesterday, uh, that's probably a positive sign.
0: Uh, with Carter, it just seems like his maturity is just so beyond his years of age. Does that make it so much easier just to go right back to him after, after he has a rough game?
1: Yeah, I mean, I'm not sure his game was rough. I, I think our whole group had a challenging night. And you know that 's why uh, you know you 've got to have faith in, in in the group, faith in the in the leadership, faith that uh, we 're going to come up with a much better game and a much better effort. Uh, our guys are aware of you know what 's at stake uh, the stake the, the stake is to get to four first, win four games first and you know, we didn't, we, everybody knows we weren't very good. Uh, most important thing is that we know it and uh, we're going to get our t- a chance to redeem ourselves tomorrow.
2: Davey, um, when a team collectively struggles as as much as uh, you guys did yesterday, does it make individual assessments a little bit tougher? And related to that, obviously, without going into specifics, might you be considering some lineup changes for next game?
1: Well, that's why they pay me the big bucks, you know. <laughs> At the end of the day, uh, you know, like I said, Uh, That was our our first really tough game in the last 16 or or 17. So uh, do you make some minor changes? Do you make some major changes? Uh, Do you show faith in the group that uh, brought you to the dance uh, and played extremely well down the stretch? Tune in. You'll find out tomorrow.
0: I don't know if you addressed the TK situation and uh, also Michael Raffle. How did he look? in his skate yesterday.
1: Nobody asked me about the TK situation. And again, I, I can't comment on player availability. As far as Michael, like I said, I can't comment on that either, but I I did say that if he was in the warm up yesterday, it was a positive sign.
0: We all would love to know what the situation is for Travis connecting the only thing with the unfit to play uh, statement is basically that we have no idea if somebody is injured for, one game, questionable for that game, a week, a month. You have no clue uh, to what extent any injury is, uh, is being dealt with. Unfortunately, we don't know that. Uh, hopefully, Travis Konechny left that game in the third period in Game 2 uh, w- after he took a puck off the foot. Hopefully, it's nothing severe, and he is able to go uh, for the Philadelphia Flyers. Uh, Flyers will need to play a much different game than they played in Game 2. Uh, they got to dictate the terms of the game. Montreal came out flying in game number two, dictated the terms right away. The Flyers never countered it. Uh, They're going to need to dictate terms. And when when Montreal does try and counter it, enforce their will upon them further uh, and have a much better outcome coming up uh, and try and take the two games to one series lead. Had a chance to catch up with Bill Meltzer from PhiladelphiaFlyers.com and talk about game two, and here's that conversation. Joining us right now on Flyers Daily from NHL.com. HockeyBuzz.com and PhiladelphiaFlyers.com. To talk about game two and more importantly, game three is Bill Meltzer. Bill, how are you doing?
2: Uh, I'm doing well, Jason. Looking forward to, to game three. So, uh, you know, get, uh, get the memory of game two, uh, you know, out of, out of our minds here and then move forward. That certainly was not a, uh, not a game that you, you know, that uh, it's, it's a burn the tapes game. We'll put it that way.
0: Yeah, and it would be one of those situations where you go, why can't this one be on a back-to-back so you can get right back at it? But um, let's talk about it, Bill. Um, it was a 5 nothing game. Um, the Flyers, nothing went right for them. Uh, they came in uh, clearly not with the same intensity level as the Montreal Canadiens, who perhaps thought they uh, deserved a better fate in Game 1. Uh, in your estimation, what was the biggest issue for the Flyers in Game 2?
2: Well, I think you have to take a little step back to Game One first. You know, uh, I mean, I I thought the Flyers had a strong first period in in game one, deserved to be leading at the end of the first, the second period, the Flyers got, there's no way to put it, got caved in. Right. I mean, they they spent the whole, pretty much the whole period in their their own zone. Um, I mean, Carrie Price did have that circus, uh, stick save on on Lawton. And, uh, but I mean, you know, I mean, the Carter Hart was the reason why the Flyers got through that period solely, you know, and, um. And then the Flyers did get the quick response right after Weber's goal, the Farabee scored. True, truly, Jason, I mean, I, I've debated this with some people online. I thought the Flyers played a virt- you know, played an outstanding shutdown period in the third period. Was, shots, I think, were 13 to six. Flyers outchanced them significantly. Territorial advantage most of the period. Carter Hart had, I think, probably two saves. The lead never felt in jeopardy. I thought it was a strong closeout to the game. And a lot of guys that, you know on the Flyers that said after game one, okay, you know, we had a terrible second period, you know, and we played the way we should play in the third period. So I, I don't agree that uh, Montreal deserved a win because I thought they got outplayed in you know, over, over two of the three periods in the game. But what Montreal did do was they saw what worked for them in, in the second period of game two, and they brought it at the Flyers right from the drop of the right from the drop of the puck. And they they forechecked with uh, you know a lot of a lot of aggressiveness, forced the flyers into a lot of turnovers, a lot of failed clears. So they had extended possessions, they had uh, the opportunity to play with short ice. Flyers had a had a breakdown pretty much right off the bat, and Carter Hart was not given a fair chance to make a save. I mean, first goal to Tar was right, right on the doorstep, all alone, you know, point blank, which really didn't happen very much in in game two. I mean, he had tough saves to make, but nothing that was unsavable. You know, and that was a that was an unsavable opportunity. So you know, you, the Flyers ended up down two nothing by the end of the first period. You're not out of the game at that point. But then you know, then then Braun screens hard on the third goal. Uh, Flyers have power play opportunities. They can't do anything with them. No traffic at the net. You know, Carey Price sees everything. So you know, clear sighted shots mostly from the point. He's going to gobble this up all game. And mm-hmm. frustration builds and you know then you have a then you have a, another breakdown with two turnovers on a shift and puck goes in off of Augustas uh, Spare skate uh you know Vino said today on the off day uh that Carter Hart stopped everything he had a fair chance to stop that had nothing to do with the game and I, and I agree with him I think if you change goalies the outcome is still you know Four nothing, five nothing. I don't. I don't think goaltending was, was a factor last game, but every, just about everything else was. And yeah, you know, course, Yeah, I'm sorry.
0: Uh, uh, you know, one of the things that you know I've had an issue kind of in response to the game and, and going back to game one is after game two, the notion became uh, the Flyers were lucky to win game one and they only did because of Carter Hart's goaltending. And my issue with that, Bill, is this: is yeah, Carter Hart played great. And he only gave up the one goal in the game and tremendous goaltending performance but if you're going to use that notion that they only squeaked by because of carter hart being great well then you also have to apply it to the other end of the ice and you can say well if Carey price wasn't great in that game or didn't stick out of the stick and have the tip of it hit that wide open net for scott lawton or got lucky and nate thompson missed a wide open net that if you're going to say it one way you have to consider it the other you know what i mean so to, to just ignore that fact to me is it's a, okay. Yeah. You got great goaltending from Carter Hart. It was a one goal game. The reason why it wasn't four to one is because Carey price played really well at the other end. So don't discount that.
2: No, completely agree. I mean, you know, you look at the flyers for power play goal by board It was a double deflection goal. You know, I mean, price didn't really have a, a chance in any of the goals. The same, same as Hart did, I, you know, it, it's the, the goaltending for both sides has been strong here. It's uh there, there, there have been other things at play here, you know, I, I mean, on, on both sides of the puck. I mean, the Flyers had a terrible game on both sides of the puck in, in game two. There's there no there's no two ways about it. They did. You know, they, they didn't attack well. They certainly didn't defend well. And, and both ends of special teams. Football. So that's, you know, that's a, that's a recipe for getting your doors blown off. and They did.
0: Yeah, Bill, um, in game two as well, um, Elaine Vigneault opted to pull Hart in the game with about a minute 57, I believe it was, in the second period. Um, it's my theory that he made that decision to pull him at that time as opposed to waiting between periods because the effect of pulling your goalie in the, on the players, and I think that's why he, was, he wasn't pulled because of poor performance, but the effect of having your goalie skate off the ice in front of the bench And having your backup goalie remove the baseball hat, put on his mask, put on his gloves and go out is far more visual than just a different goalie being in the net for the third period and doing it in between periods. I mean, ideally for the goalies, it's always better to do it in between periods because it's not as embarrassing to skate off the ice normally and then just not be in. And for Brian Elliott, he can warm up a little bit as well. But to me, that was Elaine Vigneault playing a little psychology game with his team, too, to make sure that they knew. That they kind of hung them out the dry a bit here.
2: Uh, uh, absolutely. You know, I mean, you can't, uh, you know, you, you can't pull your whole team off the ice. So the, the goalie kind of takes, takes the fall there. And yeah, I mean, the message was this isn't all you guys. You know, that, 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 that's, that's what I took away from and, uh and, and it clearly was. I mean, today, you know, again, today, obviously, uh, Lal, Carter Harbs of uh, being, being part of it. And, and I think that was, I think that was fair. I, I, I mean, I, I would, I would summarize it this way that they didn't give Carter a chance to give them a chance. All
0: right, Bill. So th- is the big thing here is going forward and starting with game three, uh, how do the flyers and how does Elaine Vigneault get the likes of Claude Giroux, Jake Voracek, Sean Couturier, a lot of their main scorers have not gotten on the score sheet since heading to Toronto and, and in the bubble. What do they got to do to get those guys going? Because secondary scoring is great, but it's only great if you're getting primary scoring.
2: No, I, absolutely. I mean, of course, half the equation is the power play because those are where your top players are. And, you know, the power play is one for the playoffs so far. So, um, you know, the, talking, about, talking about last game, you know, there was a lot of point shots with uh, nobody in front of the net and right? nobody taking Carey Price's eyes away. And you're not going to do that, you're not going to score. You, you, the Flyers have to get the forechecking game going, create some turnovers and, and take pucks to the net, create some flurries around the net. Uh, if you look at like, you know, how a guy, how Couturier scores most of his goals, he scores a lot of them in the, you know, the lower slot area, those, those kind of things. I mean, they're, they're not pretty goals, but they hope they all count the same. And, um, you know, generating some pressure on Montreal because the Flyers haven't really had very much forechecking pressure, even, even in the couple of periods that they've been, you know, pretty good, except for the first period of, of uh, game one. I mean, you know, they, the ability to to create traffic and havoc around Price's net has been very very sporadic at best so that's one piece of it and the other piece of it too is the is the power play side i mean the flyers are still trying to find something that works um last game they they were trying to force cross-seam passes that just weren't there and then they were settling for point shots that price could see all the way so you know i mean i i think it just gets back to playing you know playing the way they were playing. If you watch most of those games from from January to March, the Flyers were a high-scoring team. They were getting scoring from all over the lineup, but including the, the top part of the lineup. And, I mean, there, there's a way that they play where they're, they're always around the puck, and there's always guys banging away at pucks around the net. And that's how you, you know, it's it's simple hockey, but it's, it's proven hockey. And it's, it's how you score consistently in the playoffs. It, it hasn't happened yet. Um, you know, the Flyers were fortunate. They were getting supporting offense um that's dried up a little bit which is to be expected you're not going to always get your you know your bottom six guys your defense scoring so yeah i mean those those guys in in the group of five um it even extended to six you know jvr was on the bottom end of the lineup right now but we'll see what happens with connect me you know i mean they they need they need those guys um forcing forcing price to make tough saves if they don't do that then uh you know, then they're in some trouble. But I mean it's just it's just getting back to forechecking checking basics and attacking the net. That's that's what I boil it down to. Uh
0: Elaine Vigno spoke yesterday after practice bill. We are not gonna get any updates on the health situation of Travis Keneckney and Michael Roffel, who did take warm ups in, in game two, and Elaine and did allude to that, that if he if he he said if he took warm ups, that would be a good sign. Um, and he did in fact take warm-ups in that game so perhaps he can be in we don't know about Konechny, but but let's look at some other areas where AV may consider making a change to his lineup for the game uh, and let's start at the at the defensive end um, Shane uh had a really good game against the Lightning in that last game of the round robin had the two assists in that game was generating offense he's had a much harder time in these two games of generating offense and Um, In particular, in game two, did not have the greatest defensive night. Is this an area where Elaine could perhaps opt to put in Robert Haig back in?
2: Uh, I think so. You know, I I mean, really, both halves of that pairing, Justin Braun struggled individually, and they they struggled as as a duo. I mean, that, but Braun is not coming out of your lineup and your other two pairs are set. So I think that one is the most obvious change to make. I'd be more surprised if they don't make that change than if they do. Uh, I, I think that splitting up the defensive pairings in the latter part of the game, and it, it wasn't to get uh, Sandheim and, and uh, Myers apart from each other, although they didn't have their best, their best night either. It was really because the third pairing was really struggling. So I think you'll you certainly see a change in there. And, I mean, Hag and, and Braun were a pairing for 25 of the last 26 games before the, uh, before the pause, too. So I think that's, uh, that's certainly one change you'll see. To me, the harder decisions come up front.
0: Yeah, and, and let's look up front because um, James Van Riemsdyk was a guy that uh, was take, kept out of one of the, uh, the round robbing games. He is a guy that uh, was moved down to the fourth line. Um, while Lane, after game one, uh, saw elements that he liked, um, is, that, is that a possibility or is it more likely that, that we see another player come out? And, is, and a lot of it depends, obviously, on Konechny and, and Raffle. Um, but is Joel Farabee another guy that he would consider? His usage of Joel was a little light in game two.
2: Yeah, I mean that's uh, that that is a possibility. Faraby was, as you said, he was the guy who who sat earlier. Um, I do think you'll see Voracek back up on the top line. He did move them. He did move them back there. Um, you know, as as yesterday's game went along, as Friday's game went along, um, you know, to me one of the more interesting decisions, and uh, they they've been a really good line during the postseason. Was you know was the the Lawton Hayes and Keneckney line i i i would not be completely shocked and, and maybe maybe his thinking is not along those lines i don't know is if you saw and go to, to third line center just for one game mm-hmm. um you know and, and maybe grant to the fourth line and then you can move some other pieces around that way that's uh that's another it's another way of of doing it uh i don't you know i don't think van reems like on a on a fourth line is 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 gonna be particularly effective for a team you know <laughs> it's uh I realize a lot of those contributions have to come on the power play, but I I, I think that um, you know I I think there will be some changes there, and I mean I I I wouldn't said I wouldn't be shocked if Derek Grant ends up on on the fourth line or if Pitt, like moves around or or something like that. Um, but yeah, Farabee, Farabee is a guy who who might end up sitting, and you might you might see Connor Bunneman come in for a game too. I mean, there's a there are options there, but uh, you know it's uh you know I I asked A.V. on on uh, Saturdays press conference when uh, you know when, when a team is collectively struggling as much as the flyers did in game two is it harder to make those individual assessments and in performance just because you could look up and down the lineup and you, you can't name three guys that had a good game so you know and, and he kind of laughed and he said well you know that's why they pay me the big bucks and he said he, you know he said that uh you know you um you he goes through all those things in your mind. You just go with the guys that got you there. Do you make tweaks? Do you make major changes? I mean, he wasn't, he wasn't letting anything on. But I do think that, uh, you know, that it is possible we do see some significant restructuring of the lines. If, um, you know, they possibly, possibly two or three lines could look different.
0: Um, Bill, one of the, the things that Elaine Vigneault, he, he's a very savvy coach. He's gone through the ups and downs of playoffs. Uh, he knows how to handle these situations to hold players accountable and get the most out of his players. And I thought he did something really uh, interesting because he started messaging to his team in the postgame show. Uh, not the postgame show, but the postgame availability. Um, because as he was getting done as one of his last answers, he said that I didn't like that Kirk Muller put out their number one power play with three minutes left in the game when we were already down five to nothing. My team was already embarrassed. I don't think they needed to be embarrassed anymore. Um, And to me, I don't know that he has a problem with Kirk Muller putting that power play out there in that situation. It was simply to get a word embedded into his team's head that they were embarrassed, knowing that every availability of every player that followed him, they would now be asked about this, and that he was planting a seed, that they should be embarrassed. Is that your take on that as well?
2: Uh, I, I agree. Uh, I think I think there's a dual purpose to it. Uh, I think uh, half of it is exactly what you said, that that uh, you know it, it planned something with his own team here, and, and the other half of it too is it, it's some old fashioned playoff gamesmanship. You know, when when you have people talking about things other than you know, <laughs> other than the, that that particular game and, and moving ahead to the next one. I mean, co- coaches will do that, and it, I mean it's been. You know, I mean, this is an obvious one, but there've been things over the years, you know, the temperature in the dressing room, it could be the, you know, it could be just about anything. It, it, it's really, it's really, you know, something that just, I don't think it plants any seeds in the other team's head, but it, but it, it shifts the conversation a little bit. So I think that that's a piece of it. But I think the, the number one part of it is exactly what you said. It's, for, it's his own team.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I, I think, you know, he's a master at, you know, kind of getting all the info out there and, uh, finding a way to motivate his group. And uh, I think that was a really savvy way to do it. It's it's amazing. Um, Bill, ultimately, if they're going to have success in this series, uh, last thing, what do they need to accomplish? Is it as simple as saying that the top players need to get going and that will basically take care uh, of the rest? Or or is it something more deep-seated?
2: Well, I mean, listen, the, you know, and and then, We'll have, I guess, more to say about after next game and see how it goes. I mean, the Flyers are still, you know, they're four and one in the postseason, one, one and one in the series. You win the next game, go up two to one. It's a best of five. You know, it's already a best of five at this point. So, you know, they're, they're not in a bad spot. I, I think that there are certain things that have been going through the series that I, I would like to see. You know, they haven't, uh, you know, I mean, Montreal is a deeper team than they get credit for. You know, the two 20-year-old centers that they have, Suzuki and, and Kakaniemi, have really stepped up so far in the postseason. And that's, that's been a huge thing for them. Um, I think their best player has been Denoe, And Deneau has actually gotten the better of Couturier when, they, when they've gone head-to-head with each other, which is not something that I would have figured going in. And, you know, and that's, that's with all due respect to Deneau, I think is a highly underrated player. But that's been something that with, uh, you know, Montreal having the, the last change in the next two games, I think Mueller would be comfortable with deploying that matchup as often as he can. So, you know, I think the flyers are going to have to figure out that matchup. And, uh, and as you know, we've talked all all the time about getting production from the top end. If you do those things, then I think the flyers are, are the deeper and better team still in the series, but you got to figure those things out first. So, you know, we'll start to get the answers in the next game, next two games. If it, you know, it, it's, uh, but the, to me, to me, those are the things going have to be figured out quickly. And then, I, and then, the other thing too being, you know, zone exits because those those have been a mess for a large part of the last two games here. Um, and you know, get get that sorted out, and I think they'll be fine. If uh, if not, then you know, Montreal Montreal has their blueprint here, and I think the Flyers' blueprint is, you know, kind of what they did in the first, and certainly in the third once they get the lead. But I mean, I, I they you know, but sustained, but in terms of, like sustained control of the game, they haven't shown it yet. Montreal's been the one that's shown it, so they. Montreal doesn't need to adjust just a thing right now. The flyers are the ones that have to adjust.
0: Yeah. And you're right about the note too. He's a really good player. He's going to be a guy that could be a Selkie finalist at some point. Yeah. Um, and yeah, and the other thing, the inability to get out of the zone just creates second chance opportunities and it feeds a four check. And once a, a four check starts to get fed, it's almost like it goes in just to gobble everything up. Um, and the other thing obviously is going to be Carey price and, uh, providing a lot more traffic around him. Does he seem like he's getting more agitated uh, in this series in just two games than you're used to seeing him? He's usually really level-headed, calm guy. He's going after Derek Grant now three times in two games.
2: Yeah. Oh, which which tells you, you know, Derek Grant keep, keep doing it. Uh, <laughs> keep staying, yeah, stay right in his face. You know. Yeah. So that uh, I mean, uh, you know, that uh, any edge you can get. But yeah, he's you know, I mean, Price is, Price has been a guy who's had uh, you know. Obviously, these the guy's won a heart Trophy. He's won a Vesna. He's one of the superstars in the league. But he's the guy who's had some playoff implosions over the years. himself. in fact, the Flyers were, you know, part of one of them. You know, and another another year, Halak was the goalie when they, you know, when they they played in the playoffs. So you know, I mean, prices is, price is human, and and if you can, you know, they, you you can only uh, you know, can only stop what you can see. So. You know, if you can get under his skin a little bit, do it. And if, if there's a way to do it, then, then do it. Keep, keep, keep going to that, you know, the message.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Yep. It, you know he doesn't like it, then keep doing it. Yeah. <laughs> it's kind of what my kids do. They know I don't like something that they do, and they keep doing it. <laughs> uh, hey, Bill, thanks for doing this. Uh, we'll be watching game three and hopefully uh, a better outcome. Thanks. My pleasure, Jason. Thanks to Bill Meltzer for joining us here on this episode of Flyers Daily. It is a big game coming up tonight. The Flyers and the Canadians. It is game number three in a series that's tied at a game apiece. Who gets the win tonight? Well... It's going to, we'll all be watching and listening. We know that. And we'll be talking about it on tomorrow's episode of Flyers Daily. Flyers Daily presented by Penn Medicine, the official health system of the Philadelphia Flyers and Wells Fargo Center. Supporting our Philadelphia Flyers, Penn Orthopedics creates the ideal care plan with treatment options fueled by our own world-renowned research doing what once seemed impossible so you can too. Another reason why your life is worth Penn Medicine. Learn more at pennmedicine.org ortho and give them a follow on Twitter at Penn Medicine. That's going to put a wrap on this episode of Flyers Daily. We'll talk to you tomorrow in a day after game edition of Flyers Daily.
1: i